Hallelujah. Whatever you're going through, every praise belongs to him. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's continue to praise him today. Hallelujah, Jesus. You are worthy, God, of all glory in this place. Amen. Holy, holy. Yes, holy, holy, holy. Oh,
Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. Lord, thank you that we have the privilege, the honor, the overwhelming blessing to be your sons and daughters. Lord, I pray if there's somebody in here today that they're they're not your son, your daughter. They're not walking with you. God, I pray today will be a different day for them. Lord, bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You may be seated. I had something else I was going to share about offering, but I had something happen to me this morning real quick. So uh, there's a, there's a uh, uh, as we receive to, uh, to, as we prepare to receive our morning tithe and offering, there's a, a young man at, the, at, at this church here, and I don't know where, uh, do we just give out random bags of candy here all the time? I don't know. I, it seems like I always see kids bags of candy. I don't know, but they're, they're anyways. Yeah, Sunday school, which is fantastic. I mean, I wish I was still in, in that Sunday school class. Um, Pastor Brandon, maybe you ought to give that out for, yeah. Anyways, um, but one time, like six months ago, um, I was messing with him, and he had a bag of candy, like a Ziploc bag. I said, ooh, what do you got there? And he's like, oh, do you, I said, what, no, no, do you want me to, you know, is it okay if I have a piece? He's like, sure. And I grabbed a piece. Every time he has one, he comes up to me. And just this morning, he goes, he goes, hey, Pastor Hans, you want one? Like, he's like looking for me, you know, like, like I need candy, but he's looking for me. And I thought, you know, boy, I tell you, that's, he's excited to get, I mean, what kid wants to just hoard all the candy themselves, right? But he's looking to give it away. 
And uh, what, a, what a sweet picture of giving. What a sweet picture, an eagerness, a hunger to give. And I pray that is my and your attitude when it comes to being able to have the opportunity to give. Father in heaven, thank you that we have the privilege and the honor of giving you what is already yours. What a blessing. Lord, we love you. We honor you today. Receive these gifts from grateful hearts. In Jesus' name, amen.
Thank you, worship team. We have, uh, if you have your, whoa. Okay. If you have your bullet, which can second as a weapon here as you throw it against people. We have uh, obviously some, some events happening here. Uh, the first is the Joy Pizza Lunch coming up this Saturday, this coming Saturday. I'm uh, Friday, Friday. So I'm sorry. Yes, Friday, Friday the 18th. And uh, also the men's work day is the next day. Bring, bring your favorite rake, bring your favorite shovel. We've got mulch being delivered and uh, we're going to pray. It's a beautiful morning and we're going to be doing that this uh, coming Saturday. Easter candy. How many are ready for some Easter candy? Please tell me you're ready for some Easter candy. Say so, yes, I am ready, ready to buy. But also at your workplace, we can get an order, but those will begin. The forms will begin uh, next Sunday. And then the 23rd, we, we were doing Chick-fil-A nights, which are fantastic. How many love Chick-fil-A? We're going to mix it up a little bit. And not this coming Wednesday, the 16th, but the following, the 23rd, will actually be our meatball sub night. Okay? Uh, these are going to be fantastic. You want them. Parents of students, we could use your help a little bit that night. So if you're interested in helping out with that, that would be wonderful. The price is the same, but they're going to be absolutely amazing. You will think you are I don't know, somewhere that makes fantastic meatball subs. Uh, but anyways, and, and then next we have our uh, Praise Youth Spirit Tour. That's a one-day youth convention. Uh, it's going to be in Hokesson. The $40 is due Sunday, April 3rd. So parents, make sure you pay attention to that. And of course, our kids' ministry recertification and certification is coming up um, on the 27th and April 24th for current workers and May 22nd for current and new workers. And also, if you are our guest today at Praise Assembly, please make sure you fill out one of those guest cards and uh, bring it to our uh, visitor center out in the lobby and turn that in. We have something we'd love to give you. But God bless you guys. Have an incredible day. Oh, yeah. Well, I want us to do a couple things here today. That um, I don't. Want, I guess I don't want. I was going to say it one way. I'm not going to. Just let me read you a scripture. That'll help. Colossians chapter two verse eight says, "See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world, rather than on Christ." You know, again, we know about the conflict in the Ukraine. It's based on a deceptive philosophy called communism. Russia invading a free country, a free and sovereign country, filled with many, many believers. In fact, I was just reminded this week that uh, a missions group that I'm part of not long ago completed a brand new Bible college building in Kiev, and uh, we're praying that that get preserved. The U Ukraine has been a missionary sending agency for Eastern Europe, powerful. And I can see where these deceptive philosophies, supported by the powers and principalities of this dark world, would want to crush it. And that happens now and then. That happens. You know, the enemy comes against the church comes in like a flood, but God will raise up a standard against it. And so we're going to pray for the Ukraine in a moment. Father, we thank you, Lord, 
for your great grace, for your mercy. And Lord, we, we don't know which reports to believe as we watch news, as we look at social media. But Lord, I thank you for the reports that I'm receiving from Convoy of Hope. I thank you for the reports that I'm receiving from Assemblies of God missionaries who are actually in Ukraine, have not left the country yet. Lord, I thank you even for what I see on a webcam in the city of Kiev. And Lord, I pray, God, that you would show yourself strong. As we have prayed for the past few weeks, I pray that you would show yourself to be a great God who will defend our brothers and sisters. Lord, I pray that you protect the Bible college building and the students and the professors. Lord, I pray, God, that we would see your miraculous hand. Lord, that you would bring down this vain philosophy, this destructive philosophy of communism and even socialism around the world, not just in, in Russia, but around the world. Lord, that there be a new day of freedom for our missionaries in places like, like China and even in, in other places where despots are, are, are overreaching, Lord. I pray, God, that you would pour out your power, that you would do the miraculous. And we ask for you to move, Lord. I pray that you would receive all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we're going to continue. We're going to get back into our Heroes series. By the way, next week we have a baptismal uh, baptism service taking place here in the morning service. So we won't be talking about heroes. I'll be talking about baptism. And then we have a number of candidates uh, from our church getting baptized, as well as uh, Indian Church and Deaf Church. So hope you'll be with us next week. But today... And the week after, we're going to be looking at heroes. And the title for today's message uh, in this series concerns the unexpected and the rejected heroes. The unexpected and rejected heroes. And I want to share with you a couple of video clips that will show us how ordinary people can become heroes, unexpected heroes. Let's go ahead and show them. To a dramatic rescue caught on camera, a driver crashes his truck off the longest bridge in the world into the water below. Other motorists not wasting a second rushing to save him and pull him out. ABC's Lindsay Janice has a story. It was a miracle. It really was. A miracle captured in these nail-biting photographs. The man in the water on the left, a 26-year-old who just crashed through the guardrail on Louisiana's Lake Pontchartrain Causeway. I immediately slammed on my brakes. I just jumped out of the car. Al Pike was on his way to work when he saw the crash and literally jumped into action stripping off his pants and shirt and jumping in. As I was jumping over the edge of the railing, I noticed that the occupant of the vehicle, he had surfaced, so I, I just jumped in and swam over to him. Kept screaming, help me, help me. I said, you're alive. I said, that's the only thing that matters. Then another lifeline from above. Other concerned drivers called police before taking matters into their own hands, dropping a rope into the water and creating a human chain. I took the rope and I tied it around his torso. I was hoping that my knot held. And it did. The driver seen here surrounded by those good Samaritans on the road until emergency crews arrived. He was taken to the hospital for pain. His condition is unknown this morning, but his road to recovery, no doubt smoother thanks to those humble heroes. Anybody would have done the same thing if they were in the same position. For Good Morning America, Lindsay Janice, ABC News, New York. A lot of good souls there in Louisiana, and I went to college not far from there, traveled across that causeway many a time, and boy, you can, at one point you cannot see the other side. Oh, that's how It was nice it to see how many people yeah. jumped yeah. in to help. How quickly they did that. Nobody You're right hesitated. about that. Nope, not for a second. 
As we've seen, Mosul is one of the most dangerous places in the world. While hundreds of thousands fled, an American and his family moved in, risking their lives to save others. Jamie Yukas has their story. As an aid worker in Mosul, this is what David Eubank sees every single day. We see families killed. One woman, probably 19-year-old, new mother, little newborn, died in my arms. But one recent rescue was different. I see what turns out to be about 70 dead bodies. Women, children, guys in wheelchairs, and then a little girl sitting next to her dead mother hiding under the black hijab. ISIS snipers filled the air with gunfire, but Eubank had to get to the little girl. Iraqi and U.S. forces helped on the ground and in the air, putting up a blanket of protective smoke so he could run. 12 seconds in and out, she was safe. When you look at the picture now, what goes through your mind? It makes me want to cry every time I see the picture because I think she made it. Eubank says her family is missing and presumed dead. The Iraqi general he was with says he plans to adopt her. ISIS just ran an IED in civilians. Eubank started the humanitarian group Free Burma Rangers after a decade with the U.S. Special Forces. His wife and three children have joined him on all his missions to war-torn areas. There are a lot of people who are going to be watching this story that can't believe that you three are with your parents there. There's kids on the front line with their parents who are getting shot at, so why shouldn't we be out there helping them as well? The family of five is taking a break this week in Washington state, but all plan to go back to Iraq. If your kid was out there, wouldn't you want someone else to help them, someone to rescue them, to give them the opportunity to live? Why did you do it? Love. And I remembered this scripture greater love has no man. He laid down his life for his friends. Jamie Yukis, CBS News, Oralville, Washington. Remarkable family. Wow. A missionary of a different sort. <clears throat> Bring his family with him. I don't know if you saw this in the, well, you probably didn't see it in the news, but I got wind that concerning the conflict in Ukraine, uh, there are about 16,000 former U.S military personnel who, are who have volunteered and are heading to Ukraine to help the cause on their own. That's incredible. Those are heroes. Those are heroes. And, you know, I suppose that the reason that I'm interested in this, the, these two classifications this morning, uh, the unexpected hero, the rejected hero, we saw the unexpected, um, you know, the fellow going over the bridge and the other guy not hesitating, just hitting his brakes, stopping on that causeway. Um, but I did pick up something there. How many of you carry rope in your car? I, I saw that. It. It's like, oh my gosh. Well, I hope I'm driving with you sometime. <laughs> I'm going to start loading up my trunk with all this emergency stuff now. Uh, it's one thing to jump over a causeway into the water and help somebody, but also to have other people help get you out with him. Uh, and, and then again, the other, the, the fellow who founded the Free Burma Rangers, uh, you know, again, to take your whole family. And I love the commitment of the kids. Other people are here. We're going to be here. And, uh, and, and those are unexpected heroes. And it can happen to any one of us. We could be put in that situation where we do what we know we need to do. That's all. You'd simply go into action. You don't have a choice. You're not trying to be a hero. You just became one because you spared someone's life. 
And again, at the end of today's message, we'll talk about rejected heroes. But I think I like, I like this topic because inside, I love to root for the underdog. I really do. I like to root for the underdog. I love stories and movies and even historical accounts of the little guy beating the big guy. Aren't those great stories? You know, the the guy who overcomes incredible odds, the little guy coming out of nowhere like a dark horse and rising to the challenge, even when they themselves weren't sure of themselves. Isn't that great? They had no confidence in themselves. And of course, it always makes for a great story. But, But in the spiritual realm, it reinforces something. It reinforces something that every one of us has been taught. We've been encouraged to believe. And in fact, we must believe. Basic, scriptural principles, truths from places like Proverbs chapter 3, verse 34, James chapter 4, verse 6, which, by the way, both say the same thing. They tell us that God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. And then there's 1 Corinthians 1, 27, which reminds us that God chooses the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. And he chooses the weak things of this world to shame the strong. And I want us to, to look together at a complete passage from the Psalms. This is Psalm chapter 37. Sums it up beautifully. Psalm 37 verse 1. Do not fret because of those who are evil. Or be envious of those who do wrong. For like the grass they will soon wither. Like green plants they will soon die away. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord, trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn, your vindication like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. For those who are evil will be destroyed, but those who hope in the Lord shall inherit the land. A little while and the wicked will be no more. Though you look for them, they will not be found. But the meek will inherit the land and enjoy peace and prosperity. The wicked plot against the righteous and gnash their teeth at them. But the Lord laughs at the wicked for he knows their day is coming. The wicked draw the sword and bend the bow to bring down the poor and needy to slay those whose ways are upright. But their swords will pierce their own hearts and their bows will be broken. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked. For the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. The blameless spend their days under the Lord's care and their inheritance will endure forever. In times of disaster, they will not wither. In days of famine, they will enjoy plenty. You know, to read all that, God's word is full of this kind of admonition. It's full of this kind of encouragement. And here's another one I really like, and it's one that you and I can apply to our lives daily. It's 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. Paul is writing and he says, but he said to me, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. Hallelujah. And that is why for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Amen. And so you see, many times in life, there's, there just, just, there's, a, there's an old earthly proverb, if you will. It's not from the Bible, okay? 
But it tells us it's not the size of the dog in the fight as much as it is the size of the fight in the dog. That's what brings the victory. And we've got the Lord on our side. And and besides that, victory in our life is contingent, not upon our own qualities, our own abilities, as it is hinged upon our obedience. Victory, I believe, is directly connected to obedience. You've heard the phrase, God is not looking for ability as much as he is availability. Will we be there for him? He'll be there for us. Will we be there for him? Are we willing to serve him? Are we willing to obey what he tells us to do? And when I look at a list of histories from the Bible, I see that God oftentimes chose the weak, purposefully chose the weak. He chose the unnoticed, or or maybe we recategorize them as the unexpected. And the first thing that had to be dealt with was the issue of reluctance upon that future hero. And once that reluctance was replaced with submission and obedience, then those personalities became heroes. Moses is probably one of the earliest in the Bible to display that truth. God had had a call on his life. God had protected him from birth so that he could be used to set the Hebrew people free from the Egyptians, from slavery. And while all the other Jewish babies were being exterminated, he winds up being raised by his own mother. Remember, she, she put him in this little, little reed basket, floated him down the Nile. Pharaoh's daughter finds it. Then she needs someone to nurse this baby. Actually, I mean, God actually orchestrated the whole thing so that Moses, Moses is fed by his own mother under the very nose of the enemy. That's incredible. There was something special about him. But when God finally speaks to him and calls him as a young man, Moses is reluctant. Let's look at uh, Exodus chapter 3, verse 1 through 15. Again, he, he has to know there's a call on his life. I mean, God preserved his life. And it says in Exodus 3, verse 1, Now Moses was tending the flock of Jethro, his father-in-law, the priest of Midian, And he led the flock to the far side of the wilderness, and he came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And there the angel of the Lord appeared to him in flames of fire from within a bush. Moses saw that though the bush was on fire, it did not burn up. So Moses thought, I'll go over and see this strange sight, why the bush does not burn up. And when the Lord saw that he'd gone over to look, God called to him from within the bush. He hears hears this coming out of this bush that's not being consumed. Moses, Moses. And Moses said, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals for the place where you're standing is holy ground. Then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. And the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I've heard them crying out because of their slave drivers. And I'm concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites has reached me and I've seen the way the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, you go. I'm sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. But Moses said to God, who am I? that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt. And God said, I will be with you. And this will be the sign to you that it is I who have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you will worship God on this mountain. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites 
And I say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? And God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you're to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. And God also said to Moses, say to the Israelites, the Lord God of your fathers, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob has sent me to you. So he actually had two objections. First, who am I to go to Pharaoh? I'm nobody. You go to Pharaoh and you tell them that I want my people free. Okay, so he gets over that hurdle and then he says, well, what do I, what do I, tell, what do I tell my own people? You tell them that I am has sent you. Can you see the reluctance? God is calling Moses and Moses is resisting. He's doubting himself. And to some degree, you know what? Self-doubt is okay. Because in reality, Moses is never going to have the personal, physical power that's needed to set his people free. He does not have an army to do this with. He, does not, he cannot physically do it. He cannot do it in the flesh. He's going to need God's power. And God has told him, I will empower you. And he's told him, the elders of Israel will listen to you. And then, of course, in the next chapter, Moses has, has another excuse. But God, I can't speak. He even suggests that maybe he choose someone else to lead. I can't speak. I can't talk for you. But God will not let him out of this. I love it. God is not going to let him squirm out of this. And God tells him, okay, so you can't speak. You're still going to lead. You're still my man. You're still the one that I called. You're not going to speak. Someone else will speak for you. Aaron will speak for you. But I have called you to lead. You see, Moses was an unexpected hero. He was a reluctant hero, but he was an unexpected hero. An another great example is Gideon. Amen. I mean, incredible self-doubt. Incredible reluctance. Let's look at Judges chapter 6, verse 1. It says, The Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord, and for seven years he gave them into the hands of the Midianites. Because the power of Midian was so oppressive, the Israelites prepared shelters for themselves in mountain clefts. They hid in caves and strongholds. Verse 3, whenever the Israelites planted their crops, the Midianites, Amalekites, and other eastern peoples invaded the country. They camped on the land, ruined the crops all the way to Gaza, and did not spare a living thing for Israel, neither sheep, nor cattle, nor donkeys. They came up, came up with their livestock and their tents like swarms of locusts. It was impossible to count them or their camels. They invaded the land to ravage it. Midian so impoverished the Israelites that they cried out to God for help. And when the Israelites cried out to the Lord because of Midian, he sent them a prophet who said, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. I brought you up out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. I rescued you from the hand of the Egyptians and I delivered you from the hand of all your oppressors. I drove them out before you. I gave you this land. I said to you, I am the Lord, your God. Do not worship the gods of the Amorites in whose land you now live, but you have not listened to me. The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Ophrah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. And when the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Pardon me, my Lord. And I, I really wish, I wish we could, I, I want to contemporize this more. I mean, he's there threshing wheat, as you know, inside a wine press. You're supposed to thresh wheat outside so the wind blows the chaff away and the heavier wheat falls straight down. But he's doing it inside because of fear. He's filled with fear. And yet this angel of the Lord comes to him and says, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. 
Uh, excuse me? That's basically what he said. Excuse me? Like, who, who, who are you talking to? If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned to him and said, go in the strength you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you? Verse 15, pardon me. Again, he's, excuse me. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh and I am the least in my family. Basically, we're nobodies. And the Lord answered, I will be with you and I will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. Look at the, look at the reluctance. Again, it's verse 15. Excuse me, God. Pardon me, Lord. How can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest and I'm, I'm the weakest in my family. And then Gideon requires that God prove himself a number of times. You know the story. He places meat and unleavened bread under a tree and between some rocks, watches the angel of the Lord consume the offering. Then, he, then it's followed up with, with Gideon's attempt to fleece God, right? He asked God to make the fleece wet and the ground dry. Then the next night he asked for it to be done in reverse. But in the end, in the end, after all that, talk about the patience of God. God takes Gideon on an incredible journey. Really an incredible journey. He couldn't have imagined this in his wildest dreams. And he tells Gideon, after all this, he, God's proven himself to Gideon. I'm with you. He does all this. He does everything that Gideon would require. And he tells Gideon, I want you to assemble an army of 32,000 fighting men. And I want you to know what the odds are. They're four to one. Gideon's got an army of 32,000. The Midianites have 128,000. Exactly four times as large. The enemy is four times larger, bigger. Do you understand this? Gideon's army starts out at 32,000. Honestly, I'd be a little concerned. If I had 32,000 and they've got 128, I'd be a little concerned. But then God says, you know what? You got too many men. And God reduces the number of fighting men down to 10,000. Now, this is where I would say to God, excuse me? And then God says, you know what? 10,000 is too many. And the numbers come all the way down to 300. 300 men against 128,000 men. This is where I get a plane ticket to Cancun. I'm not hanging around for this massacre. No, I mean, seriously, 300 and 128,000. And I want you to look at, look at the anatomy of this process with me. Okay, let's just consider the chronology of this event. God calls the man. He's in hiding. He's in a cave. And he's in hiding. God calls him. The man is reluctant. But eventually God prevails and the one who's called becomes a hero. A name that we all remember today. Gideon, who was timid and self-doubting, Gideon becomes a hero to the Hebrews. And so the point I'm trying to make here is that we have to, every one of us have to overcome our reluctance. Now, we didn't read this one portion about Moses earlier, but there was a time in Exodus when Moses is resisting God's call that God asked Moses, 
What is that you have in your hand? It was a staff. We, you, you, most of us, I think, know the story. It was a staff. And God told him to throw it down. And when he did, it became a snake. And then, then God said to grab the snake by the tail, and it became a staff once again. Okay? That was a faith builder. But it began with a question. What is that in your hand? What do you have? What do you have that I, God, can use? And, and you know, the question is asked many, many times in slightly modified ways throughout Scripture. Remember, there was Elisha once asked a widow a very similar question. I mean, she literally is going to bake the last little piece of bread or cake that she can make. And then she's just going to die. And Elisha asked the widow a very similar question that God asked of Moses. And he said, what do you have? And again, she had so little. The debt collectors are threatening to come to take her child. But Elisha says, what do you have? What do you have? He, he wants her to focus. What do you have? Don't look at what you don't have. Look at what you do have. And then David, before he slew Goliath, before David became king over Israel, I want, you, I want to remind you, he was a scrawny little guy. Shepherding goats and sheep out in the wilderness. And, and even when, when, you know, when, 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 he, when they came to pick a hero, Jesse presents seven of his sons. And, and, and Saul go, Samuel goes through each one of them. Not this one, not this one, not this one, not this one. Then he finally asked, he has to ask Jesse, do you have another son? Because he knew he was sent there to pick one. And he's not there. Oh, he's, he's out watching the sheep. He couldn't possibly be a candidate. I remember Jesus once instructing his disciples to defy logic by telling them to throw their nets over the side of the boat right near the shore following a very disappointing night of fishing. You remember? Remember? They've been out all night. They pull up. There's Jesus. Jesus tells them. I mean, they're not far offshore. They don't, probably don't even need a boat. They fished all night, caught nothing. And he says... I want you to take your net, throw it over. It's daytime now too. The fish can see the net. They can see the boat. They were reluctant. They were, they, for just a moment, they were reluctant. But when they acted in obedience, what happened? They had a haul of fish that began to capsize the boat and tore their nets. You see, obedience is everything, guys. Obedience is everything. And I believe that many heroes are unexpected heroes. And one way for us to be heroic, I believe, is by looking at how big God is instead of how meager our own resources are. Because you see, each of those examples I mentioned this morning, they, they would have failed if they had relied on their own resources. If Moses had sat down and just strategized all by himself how he was going to set the Jews free. If Gideon had ever mustered up enough confidence to get 32,000 of the troops together. Without God, they would have failed. You see it all the way through Scripture. But I have learned that God equips, listen to me, He equips those whom He calls. If God asks you to do something, He will enable you to do it. Amen. And now with a few moments that I have left, I, I want to address the rejected hero. Okay, we've looked at the unexpected hero. And there are some of these rejected heroes in Scripture. One of them was Samuel. I already mentioned him. He had, he had done so much for his people. 
He had done so much for his people. He was constantly keeping them on track. He was helping them to resist turning away from God. He was a great leader. His ministry was full of miraculous events. Samuel was an incredible leader. And even though I told you that obedience is the key to being a hero, an unexpected hero, the Bible contains stories about heroes that were not only unexpected, but also rejected. And sadly, Samuel's one of them. And let's look at 1 Samuel chapter 8. Verse 1 says, When Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons as Israel's leader, leaders. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second was Abijah, and they served at Beersheba. But his sons did not follow his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain, accepted bribes, and perverted justice. And so all the elders of Israel gathered together, came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, You are old, and, and your sons are a disappointment. They don't follow your ways. Appoint a king to lead us, such as all the other nations have. But when they said, give us a king to lead us, that displeased Israel. So he prayed to the, uh, Samuel, so he prayed to the Lord. And the Lord told him, listen to all that the people are saying to you. It's not, it's not you they've rejected. They've rejected me as their king. Now, you remember when you were dating? Remember the girl breaking up with you? It's not you, it's me. You know, I, I love the way God softens this for Samuel. It's not you they're rejecting. It's me. He says in verse 8, As they've done from the day I brought them up out of Egypt until this day, forsaking me, serving other gods, so they're doing to you. Now listen to them, but warn them solemnly and let them know what the king who will reign over them will claim as his rights. And that's when things go downhill. And it's great to see the Lord soften the blow for Samuel. I mean, he took it so personally. And I know those of us in ministry, Pastor Hans, Pastor Brandon, we do. We take it very personal. But ultimately, when someone walks away from the Lord, they're walking away from the Lord. But you know, Samuel remained faithful to the Lord all of his days, in spite of that. But he was a rejected hero. And then finally, there's the ultimate hero. He was both unexpected and also rejected. And I'm speaking about Jesus, of course. Amen. Very few were expecting him. In the beginning, very few had accepted him. Came, you know, light came into darkness. But they didn't know him and they didn't want to know him. And then ultimately he was rejected as well. He was hung on a cross after being whipped and beaten. Listen to Isaiah chapter 53. This is the beginning of verse 1. It says, Who has believed our message? And to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender shoot, like a root out of dry ground. He, meaning Jesus, had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected. Rejected by mankind. A man of suffering. Familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces. He was despised and we held him in low esteem. Jesus Christ was despised and rejected. And yet you see, he's our hero. Because he's our redeemer. Because he understood his calling. Because he was obedient to the Father. And the beauty is that unlike all the others we've looked at, the one thing I can say about this unexpected and rejected hero is that he was never reluctant. He was not. Not like Moses, not like Gideon. If you remember in the garden, he did pray. He said, Father, if it be possible, please let this cup of death pass from me. But nevertheless, nevertheless, thy will be done. 
And he was always obedient to the Father. He said, I do only what I see the Father doing. He was always in perfect sync and obedience with the Father. And according to the Apostle Paul, obedient even to death because he understood his purpose. And his purpose is found in Philippians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. He was obedient but rejected. And because of that rejection and because of his obedience, he now has a name that is above every name. And every knee will bow and every tongue will proclaim that he is Lord. Because he was obedient, because he was rejected, he has become our eternal hero. And through him, you and I get to live forever. Jesus Christ is Lord of Lords. He's King of Kings. He's hero over every hero. And I want to encourage you to start doing heroic things. Get rid of the reluctance and become obedient to God's call in your life. You know, maybe start with a place of service within this church body. You know, really, I mean, maybe, you know, you've been putting off. And I'll tell you, you know, we've, we are, maybe we're still going through it. I like to say we've already gone through it. You've heard of the great resignation that has happened during COVID-19. We need to fight that. What could we call it? The great sign-up? I don't know. The great enlistment. How's that? Really, Christians need to get back in the battle. Not the game. We need to get back in the battle. And we need to find a place to serve. Stop being reluctant. Stop holding back. How about being courageous enough to tithe? How about being courageous enough to witness, to tell others about Jesus again? How about responding in God, to God in obedience and, and living according to his word? Let's start to begin living as heroes because he's called us to be heroes. Let's pray together. Their heads bowed and eyes closed. Just as I shared, Jesus Christ came into our world to die as a sacrifice for our sins. And although he was 100% God and 100% man, he was never reluctant to fulfill his destiny so that we could someday live with him in heaven. And yet over the, over the millennia, many people have rejected him. And many still do today. But I have to ask you this morning, if you don't know him as your savior, if you have not prayed to ask him to come into your life, to forgive you of all sin, to forgive you of all your past, if you have not asked him to come in and be your Lord and savior, would you accept him into your life today? I mean, instead of rejecting him, instead of just passing him off to the side, would you ask him to come into your life to be your Lord and savior? And again, with heads bowed and eyes closed, I'm the only one looking around. I want to ask you, is there anyone here this morning say, Pastor, I, I don't know Christ as my savior. I've not asked Jesus to come into my life and save me from my past and my sins. But I want to do that now. I mean, and you really sense God knocking at the door of your heart. If you sense him tugging at your heart this morning and you don't know him as Savior, are you willing to let him in? If you are, would you raise your hand where you're seated? And we'll pray in a moment and you can ask him to come into your heart and be your Savior. Is there even one this morning? Say, Pastor, I'm not sure that my heart stopped. The next moment, I'd be in heaven. Well, Jesus is how we get there. Again, I give you that opportunity. There's one here to say, Pastor, pray for me. I want to ask Jesus Christ to come into my life, into my heart, to be my Lord and Savior. 
Hallelujah, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Lord, I thank you that by this indication, Lord, that we all know you as our Savior. Lord, I thank you, God, that you have saved us, that you're alive within us. And I pray that you would use us, Lord. Help us to be obedient to your call. Lord, that we be courageous enough to serve you in some way. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. At this time, Pastor Hans is going to come and lead us in celebrating the Lord's Supper. Amen. Thank you, Pastor, for that reminder. I think we, uh, we can all relate to unexpected and reluctant heroes. <laughs> if you uh, don't have your communion elements, I'm sure that there are some in front of you or the seat behind you. If you could grab those, that would be, that would be wonderful. This is the trickiest thing to do when you have a mic in your hand. But thanks for the reminder that, um, that Jesus really is the hero of all heroes. And uh, 1 Corinthians, Paul says this in chapter 11, verse 23. For I have received from the Lord what I also passed on to you, the Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed. He took bread and when he had given thanks. He broke it and he said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's hold the bread in our hand together. Jesus, as we've been reminded by your word today, that, uh, Lord, you and you alone are the greatest of all heroes, the hero that has ransomed our life, rescued us from the destruction of sin, and we recognize you today and say thank you for all that you are. Thank you for moving forward when you uh, experienced uh, the things that, that we all experienced, God. And yet you prevailed. Lord, you allowed your body to be broken for us. And we receive it today in thanks. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's receive the element together. Continuing in verse 25, it says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's hold the, the cup together, Lord Jesus. Again, thank you for your shed blood. Thank you for your shed blood that has literally washed and gotten rid of every stain of sin in our lives. Lord, I thank you that um, your blood is not only effective the day we got saved, but it continues to be effective in our lives, in the lives of those that would believe. God, let this, let this reality motivate us to share who you are with this world who desperately needs you. And Lord, we receive together with grateful hearts in remembrance of you in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's receive together.
Can we stand together this morning? We've been talking about heroes. And Father, there are maybe reluctant heroes in this room that think things to themselves like, I'm not smart enough, I'm not old enough, not young enough, not whatever enough. And they're reluctant to step up and do anything for you and maybe something you've been calling them to do or putting on their heart again and again to do. Pray that they would not continue in that, but they would not be reluctant, but they would be willing, willing. And God, uh, prepare us for this week. Maybe there's a moment when you're going to open up a door for us to be an unexpected hero in someone's life and someone's story. Help us in that moment to be in tune with your spirit and to be prepared to step up and rise up to any occasion you have for us. Because we have the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead living inside of us. And Lord, we go in confidence this week in that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.